What if there was no tomorrow? What if the last thing that you said to the person that you loved, that you cared about, that you respected, was the thing that they would hold on to for the rest of their life? It's going to sound really crazy, but Rob Fay Nation podcast this week is not sports related. It is, well, might have some sprinkling of sports, but this is me cleaning out my closet, finishing one chapter of my life, getting ready for the next one. This is Rob Fay Nation podcast. If you're looking for updates on Bo Horvat or Brock Besser, Jacob Markstrom, Elias Pettersson, this podcast this week might not be the spot for you. I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to Rob Fay Nation Podcast, an extension of Rob Fay Nation Radio. And yes, Rob Fay Nation Radio is back starting Monday, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this one, this episode, which is episode six, I just wanted to kind of clean out my closet. It's been a really unique week. After 15 seasons, I left my job with the Vancouver Canadians. Within hours, I had Rob Fay Nation Radio back on TSN. So there's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows and a lot of emotion that has gone into everything that I've experienced over the past couple of weeks, even coming to the decision to leave the Canadians. And I hope you don't mind that I'm going to go off the beaten path. There's not a lot of energy to this one this week. It is more just me sharing some emotion and some thought and hopefully some things that you can take with you, especially if you're in this podcast broadcast world as um, there's a lot of things that have been going through my mind. Some of them good, some of them uh, a little critical. And I hope over the next half hour, I can give you a little bit of uh, listening material as you're driving around or maybe you're at your desk. Anyways, all right, let's get to it. So the decision to leave the Vancouver Canadians was, um, I don't want to call it heart-wrenching or gut-wrenching or whatever, you know, thing that I want to put in there to intensify it. It was just time. And what's funny about it is a lot of people don't realize the effort that goes into being a broadcaster slash media relations guy, especially when they add a bunch of other, you know, little things on your job description. Like I helped create the Vancouver Canadians Baseball Foundation. I ran that lunch top to bottom. Um, I did a lot of the external communications, not the social media stuff, but there was a ton that went into that job. And You know, when I look back at that decision to just keep adding things to my plate, it's one of my few regrets at Nat Bailey because there's an old saying, jack of all trades, master of none. And when I first took that job back in 2007, I was the broadcaster and the communications guy, and that was it. Even then, there were people in the blog world that were saying, well, you know, try to save money. There's no way that anybody can do both the broadcasting and the communications job of the Vancouver Canadians. And luckily, I proved them wrong. Luckily, I was able to do it. When you start adding more and more and more, like I was in charge of the website and I was in charge of all of the communications, like the press releases and the post-game stuff. And I'll tell you what, man, when I look back on it, yeah, sure, it gave me a pretty good skill set with some pretty sharp tools, but... The thing that I regret is how much it took me away from my family. And this last couple of weeks with the COVID and the cancellation of the season and everything that's gone on to it, everybody's talking about, you know, oh, it's, you know, the worst of this, the worst of that. I don't get to do my usual stuff. You know, life just isn't the same. I got to wear this fucking mask. I mean, there's just so many reasons that you can be down. But I'll tell you this. This COVID was the best thing that could have happened to me and my immediate family because when you're broadcasting baseball in the summer and it is an everyday sport and it is an 18-hour-a-day sport, 
you lose your way. And all of a sudden, this COVID has kept me at home, or at least closer to home, and it's allowed me to reintroduce myself to my wife. I'm closer with my kids. I'd like to think I'm even closer with my mom, my dad. I think there's been like three or four times over the last maybe two or three weeks where I've looked at my wife and will be doing something really simple like shopping or we went to the river because I live in Port Coquitlam close to a river and we just set up some lawn chairs and just kind of hung out after after an abbreviated work day. And I thought I was going to start crying because I looked at her and I just said, I'm so sorry. And she's like, what's the matter? And I said, well, just I didn't realize how many times you would have had to do these things without me. The problem with sport and the problem with baseball in particular, especially in the minor leagues, is you're always doing baseball, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. I know there's a better way to say that, but and it just it doesn't give you a chance to breathe because the sale of the job is the allure. Is you know you get to have a couple of people as you walk down the street or throughout the ballpark say, "Hey, that's Rob Fayer. Hey, I heard you on the radio the other night." And that's currency in some way, shape, and form. And then you add to the fact that you get to go on the road and you get to see these players doing things that not a lot of people have access to. And that's another selling feature. And then you get to help the kids by helping operate their foundation. And that's another selling feature. And there are so many things that make the allure of being a baseball broadcaster or associated with a professional sports organization, quote unquote, cool. But the reality is, is you sacrifice the things that I'm now realizing more than ever truly matter. My daughter is going into grade 11. My son graduates this year from grade 12. And you know what? Had I not decided to step away from the Vancouver Canadians, I would have missed both of those big moments. I would have missed my son getting ready for his graduation. They need me. They need their dad. And I'm not saying that I left the Canadians because of that, but it was really something this summer to reintroduce myself on that level to people that I see all the time. And it just made me realize how much baseball had taken from me as much as it had given to me. And I think a large part of the reason that I was ready to leave the Canadians is because I knew from a family standpoint that was the right play. I mean, I've seen so many relationships in pro sports, you know, even myself, where the relationship gets to the point where you get divorced or it just doesn't work out or your kids resent you. And I, I see it far more than I care to admit. And I just, um, I didn't want to do it anymore. I just, I love my wife, I love my family, and um, will I miss baseball? Heck yeah, but I'll buy some tickets, I'll come sit there with Jim Robson or my family or whoever, and I'll just enjoy Canadians baseball with everybody else whenever they get back to the field, but uh, again, there was no reason that I didn't uh, like working for the Canadians, I wish I could have done a better job, the blogs hurt, I read some of those blogs and they were pretty nasty, and I guess that's just a part of it. That is more than balanced out by meeting my childhood heroes like Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter. And, and shit, man, there were so many moments where I sat there and I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? Like, unbelievable. In front of 600 people at a hotel in Vancouver interviewing Roberto Alomar and, and, and Fred McGriff. You know, it, was, it was insane. I don't even know how that happened. All right, I just don't want to make this about me doing all the, you know, walk down memory lane stuff. I want to say that there are a few moments in this podcast where I'm going to challenge the local media here in Vancouver, whether you're on TSN or Sportsnet, whether you write, whether you're a blogger, whatever it is, because I do believe 
that there is a transition that is happening right before our very eyes. And a lot of people will equivocate it to this new movement in Vancouver, be it social media or in the podcast world, to the late Jason Botchford. And again, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think he inspired a lot of young people to do really good things and challenge the norm. Uh, I always enjoyed the times, and there were just a handful of them, but I always enjoyed the times when Botch came out with his uh, father, John Lott, who of course is one of the best writers for Canadian sports uh, anywhere in Canada. Uh, I remember he'd always look at me, uh, Botch would look at me and he'd always be like, dude, you got like the best job at Vancouver. He'd always like make me feel like I was 10 feet tall um, because he was a big baseball fan. And it was just one of those things where I looked at him and he was the hockey guy and I was the baseball guy and we rarely crossed paths. But it was cool when you could, I, I get it, I guess is what I'm trying to say, why people would be so drawn to Jason Botchford in his style because he did in those brief moments that I came across him uh make he made you feel like you could you know scale a mountain or run through a brick wall it was it was endearing so anyways the one thing that I will say though is I noticed this year after year and it's getting worse is the quality of work there are a handful of guys in this city who are worthy of praise because they do a really good job um, but it, it drops off pretty significantly. So the reason that I say this is I notice that there's a couple of guys out there that are trying to be young and hip on social media. Cool, but credibility doesn't come with saying y'all. Credibility doesn't come with swearing. Credibility comes with making sure that your source is tight, giving good information, and not taking shots. And more than anything, I guess if I could just circle that up and put it in a bowl with one straight statement, act like you've been there before. Don't walk around like a complete idiot. I'll never forget, it was 2007, and we had hired a PR firm called Reputations. I don't even think they're in business anymore, but they didn't know much about baseball, but boy, were they good at PR. So I was the baseball guy, they were the PR firm, and immediately we butt heads because they were offering to do things, and I was just like, dude, that doesn't happen in baseball. Never forget, I think, oh God, what was it, 2007, 2008? We had this like powwow thing where we were working with the Vancouver Board of Trade, and they had Jim Robson as the keynote speaker, and Ian Walker, I think, was also there. Uh, that's a blast from the past name. And they had Jake and Jeff, my two owners, Jake Kerr, Jeff Mooney, walk down an aisle together well, they got everybody in the crowd to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Well, fuck, there's like Wally Buono of the BC Lions and George Chaika's there and Jim Robson's there and Greg Douglas and all these people are being made to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game while my two owners are walking down this middle aisle like they're getting married. And I just sat there and I was like, this can't be happening. And uh, so anyways, I said so much and then all of a sudden the PR firm tried to get me fired and... Uh, they had Jake's ear, and I thought my career with the Canadians was going to be over in just a couple of months. But Andy, my Canadians president, dragged me down to that PR firm and sat me down with them. And I thought that we were going to go down there to read them the riot act. You know, like, oh, here's my Canadians president. We're good buddies. Fuck these guys. We're going to, you know, tell them what to do. And he sat down, and he sat me down, and we sat across this boardroom in their venue. And he says, guys, I'm really sorry. He will never do this again. Uh, he's going to learn from this, he's going to get better, and I just want you to be well. So I, I, the humble pie that I had to eat in that moment, I didn't understand. So we get to the elevator, and I looked at Andy, and I go, I don't understand. Like, 
And he goes, that's how the game is played. And so I'm like, I, I was so confused. I was like, what? Like, if anything, that's not how the game is played. But what he told me was, when you come in and you're the new kid on the block, you don't get the right to all of a sudden pop off the, to somebody who's been doing it for a while. Like, with all due respect, Rob, like, yeah, it's cool that you know baseball and what a six-four-three double play is, but that's a renowned PR firm in this city who has your ownership's ear. And so if you want to work with this organization, you're going to have to learn what the game looks like, and you're going to have to act like you've been here before. So I tell you that kind of random story because the reality is, is I see a lot of guys out there right now and I don't want to name names because I don't need the shit that comes with it. But I think it's pretty self-explanatory when you walk in like your shit doesn't stink and you've got it all figured out and you just start being on social media blasting people or dare we say you're lucky enough to get on the radio and you start blasting people on that front. That ain't it. Like that might be cool for a couple of your friends and the people that are around you like your immediate circle. But that's not what your sales department wants to hear. That's not what your national format director wants to hear. That's not what anybody outside of your little pocket of Twitter friends wants to hear. So the reality is, is that might make you cool on Twitter, but that's not going to keep you in this industry for the long haul. Because the reality is, is unless you're the king of the castle, unless you're like that national PR firm that's been there, they've got the trophies on the wall, they've got the accolades, and by the way, they've got the paycheck from your owner as well. I would try to find a different way to get that message across. Like a couple of guys in this city that obviously do it well, Sat understands the game better than anybody. And TSN 1040, obviously more established, but there's guys there that feel that they've got to be that presence to get across. All I'm saying is when you're in this industry, whether it's in the podcast world, whether it's the radio industry, maybe it's the print industry, wherever it is. And again, I'm not trying to make this a masterclass, but these are the things that I've seen from a distance. Again, having worked on both sides, yes, I have a radio show, but yes, I've also been a communications guy for one of the sports teams in this city that's pretty accessible and pretty likable. And they're liked for a reason because they can play the game and they understand their place in the hierarchy of sports in the city. So... All I'm saying, take it for whatever it is, and I don't even know if those people will be listening to this podcast, but here's a little knowledge for you from the older guy. If you're going to walk around and be that guy, you might want to check with your sales department. You might want to check with the national general manager or the national format director outside of just your buddies on Twitter who think you're cool. It's tough to sell an asshole. And you know what? The reason that David Pratt was able to do both is because the guy had been in the business for 25 years. The reason that Bro Jake was at TSN 1040 for as long as he was wasn't because of his knowledge of Corsi. It's because he knew how to bring in revenue. So before you sit around and figure that your badass tactics are going to get you what you need, just remember the corporates want to have somebody that they can put in front of people that are buying their product and feel good about it. A little lesson from the guy in the left. All right, so somebody asked me just the other day about unwritten rules in sports. And of course, Fernando Tatis at the front of it, or pardon me, Tatis Jr. at the middle of it because he swung at a 3-0 fastball and hit a grand slam. Very next day, he ends up stealing third base when his team is up by six. This, of course, Tatis Jr. plays for the San Diego Padres, taking on the Texas Rangers, which, of course, made Blue Jay Nation happy in the fact that they were watching something bad happen to the Texas Rangers, who might be the biggest rival of the Toronto Blue Jays as we have this conversation. When I was a kid growing up, 
that would have not been the case. It would have been the Orioles, or it would have been the Yankees, it would have been the Red Sox, it would have been the dreaded Detroit Tigers back in the day. But yeah, anything that goes wrong with Texas, Toronto fans seem to love. I'm kind of in the minority based on what I'm reading online, because there's a lot of people that are totally okay with what Tatis Jr. did. And we talk about these unwritten rules. And it's funny because there's a lot of people out there that are starting to say, oh, you know, this is just the old regime. And, we you know, once we get rid of all those old timers who remember how it used to be, then we'll finally be able to get started with this new, cool, fresh style of sport. And, you know, in baseball, for example, bat flips. The unwritten rule is that if you flip your bat, the next guy who's on deck is going to wear one in the back in the numbers. I will say this. I am not opposed to a guy swinging at a 3-0 pitch, because as a former pitcher, I would say if it's 3-0, I'm not putting anything over the heart of the plate. It might be up and in, it might be down and away, I might try to get him up the ladder, chase him a little high, but regardless of it, I'm not throwing a cock shot at 3-0, because you know what? Some guys do get the green light. Now, Fernando Tatis Jr. didn't have the green light, therefore, the fact that he was told to take the pitch, didn't take the pitch, and slams it over the wall for the grand slam, obviously magnifies everything. But that said, I am a believer in the unwritten code of sport. For example, in golf, you just know that you don't walk on the green in front of somebody's line, which means between the golf ball and the hole, the player that is not putting or the caddy or whoever never walks in between the ball and the hole. It's the unwritten rule. There are also several other rules in, in golf in particular. It's called the honor system. And I think that's why it is still to this point, even though they've got some more flamboyancy than they had in years past, it's still a gentleman's game. Tennis, they've changed, but it's still, for the most part, respectable. I know that we want flash, and I know that we want excitement because it keeps it interesting, and it makes for better sound bites, and it makes for better highlights. When you're a team that's getting your lunch handed to you, like in that case, the Texas Rangers, you don't need that. And I'm not saying that Fernando Tatis Jr. shouldn't have swung at it. If it's a 3-0 fastball and it's right down Broadway, then cool, man, have at it. I think there's equal blame. But the thing that I think I take exception to is when people are like, well, the unwritten rules, that's, that's, that's old shit. Because it's not old shit. It's what that game has been built on. There are certain things, there are certain codes. Like, for example, you don't bunt to break up a no-hitter after the third or the fourth inning. All of a sudden, if you're going to get a base hit, earn it. Because you know what's happening. If you've been through the order and nobody's gotten a hit off that pitcher. I mean, don't get me wrong if it's a 0-0 game. I mean, every situation's different. I, maybe I shouldn't hang my hat on this one in particular. But if it's the sixth inning, the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and there's a still, still a no-hitter intact... Dude, I don't care, man. Find a different way. So I don't know. I, I, I sit there and I say to myself, I know that I'm right in the fact that I know that there are unwritten rules and I know that I believe they should be followed. But the way that I would explain it to a younger fan, even like my children, they would look at me like, dude, why? what does it matter? For example, if you remember when Jose Fernandez, pitcher for the uh, Miami Marlins, passed away, and if memory serves me correct, that was Bartolo Colon on the mound. I think I'm right when he was pitching to D. Gordon, and Gordon got the first pitch cock shot right down Broadway and took his best swing at it. Now, I don't know if D. Gordon himself knew he was going to be hitting a, a fastball that would go over the fence, but I think when you think of that moment, that first pitch, that first pitch 
was going to be an 80 to 82 mile an hour fastball right down the heart of the plate. D Gordon, here it is, brother, because it's yours. That is an unwritten rule in sport. And it might not be an often used rule, but players and teams, they get it. Fans and media, maybe they don't. Maybe they think it's time for change. But the reality is, is if you want to hang your hat on what happened with Fernando Tatis Jr., cool. You guys can debate that. But there are certain things in the game of baseball, certain things in sport that are unwritten that should be followed, whether you like it or not. All right, I just want to finish up by saying, and I'm going to kind of circle back to a thought that I had about probably, I don't know, five, ten minutes ago. I am very content with my departure from the Vancouver Canadians. Not that they need to hear this anymore. I've said it more than enough on this show already, but I just wanted you to know as a fan of the Vancouver Canadians that they're in good hands. I think I know who their next broadcaster is going to be, and if it's anybody close to what I think it is, you guys are in great shape. And trust me, I'm going to be a fan there. I'll probably even buy some nap packs or season tickets or who knows. Hopefully they'll give me a deal. But I just wanted to say... And I don't do this enough because I protect my family so much from social media and from just the public platform. I just, I I don't know. I've always felt really guilty in anything that could go wrong. I just love them so much. I just want to protect them so much. But I just wanted to say to my family that has allowed me to chase my dreams for the last, gosh, 15, 20 years, thank you. I'm not sure how else to describe it other than just to say I appreciate you letting me be a kid for the last 15 to 20 years. There have been some tough moments in there, but you never waned. You never got away from the fact that it was something special to me and you allowed me to make baseball my priority. And now I'm going to make you my priority. And I say to my son and my daughter, I'm here every step of the way to help you chase your dreams. Uh, To my mom and my dad, who have allowed me every opportunity to succeed, I'm around for anything they need. And to my wife, Christina, man, I don't know how she puts up with me. And I'm not saying that in a tough way, but just the schedule. Like I said, kind of hanging out the other day at the river in Port Coquitlam. We live in Poco, and there's a river close to our apartment where we live. And we were sitting there with our feet in the water, just on these you know, little lawn chairs. And I just looked at her, and I felt... I felt awful just because I know how many times she's had to do that without me. And I just didn't want her to have to do that without me anymore. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And to the Vancouver Canadians, there's not much more I can say. I love them all. I think they're the greatest organization in this city. I've not worked for them all, but just, you know, they gave me every opportunity. When I was a young punk kid coming in there back in 2007, I didn't deserve any praise. I was a mess. And um, they polished me up. They cleaned me up pretty nice. And I'm hoping that TSN 1040 starting this coming Monday feels good about having Rob Fay Nation Radio back. So to all of you that listen, this podcast will continue. I'm not ready to give up on it. It will be a little more sports-centric next time. But um, if you ever want to reach out, you can hit me up at Rob Fay. You can um, just interact with me or you can just listen 10 to midnight. Rob Fay Nation Radio on TSN is back starting this Monday, August the 24th. My thanks to everybody. I mean, this is the one show where I wish I had written out everybody. I'd have probably needed half of this uh, podcast just to rattle off as many names as I could. But to the Canadians, thank you. To my family, thank you. And I love you. And to all of you guys that take the time to listen to this show, be it here or there, everywhere, I'm always my door is always open to you. Anything you ever need, you know where to find me. 
This has been Rob Fanation Radio. Thanks for everything. I mean that sincerely. I hope you have a great day.